You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. today's episode we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while that I've been dying to do again and that is do a commentary. So you have a couple of options here obviously you can either listen along because we're going to be discussing a lot of different things not just in reference directly to what is going on on the screen or you can follow along if you would like which would be a lot more fun to be honest. The movie of course as per the title of this episode is going to be Batman Ninja. So if you have a copy Cue it up right now, and what I'd like you to do is go just past the Warner Brothers logo when the screen is black. And then just wait there, and then we're all going to start at the same time and go from there. So if you're all ready, including you. Uh, Give me a second. I'm at the Warner Brothers logo now. Okay, I am ready. All right, so three, two, one, play. So this is going to be a lot of fun because I've been racking my brain trying to think of any other recent film, and actually not so recent, I've been digging back, where a single image was enough to get me thrilled, like really ridiculously excited for a film and here it was the art for Batman Ninja when they announced Mm -hmm. it because it's it's a it's Batman which you know we love but also it's a, a different take on Batman plus an anime which we love when done well plus on top of that taking him back in time to feudal era Japan, which again, another era that we love seeing in in film. So this just had everything literally in a single image. And so I I watched this and bought it immediately when it was available. And I we can spoil right now what we thought about it because I fucking adored this film so much. Where are you at? I, we'll get into a lot of the details as we go, but anime bullshit the movie starring Batman is kind of my <laughs> genre. <laughs> yeah, see, it's funny, especially after watching some of the features where they talk about the film and different things that they've done, because it's, it's like while, yes, it's extreme and extravagant and very anime, it like paled in comparison to a lot of quote unquote anime bullshit that we've talked about in other shows. And for me, it just worked very well. And I'm, I'm far more um, exacting about what it is that I expect or will put up with in an anime kind of thing than you. And this, this, I was fine with it. In fact, like I said, I freaking adored it. Well, I, when I say anime bullshit, I mean, 
like there's a lot of over the top elements in this that I really enjoy, but at the same time you can tell the filmmakers made those choices on purpose. It's very much nostalgic for a lot of older style anime as opposed to a lot of the more modern stuff. And it's played pretty equally between sarcasm and seriousness. Like they have respect for a lot of the tropes that they're reusing here, but they also recognize they're reusing these tropes and they're having fun with it. It's that fun element that you couldn't ask for a better spot for us to be talking about this. Uh, Exactly. If you're watching this scene right now, this is where Batman who's now in feudal era Japan drops a smoke pellet and he's looking around for a high rise to grapple because that's his signature move. And of course there are none. And when watching the video that had the director and, and screenwriter and character designers, uh, designer, I should say on, uh, that was at a, a, one of the comic cons, the, um, the director was saying like, he loved that scene because it's, it's kind of ridiculous and it, it kind of pokes fun as well at Batman and at the tropes that are there and really sets this up because, and he says this too, it's it's once Batman ditches his gadgets and accepts and adapts to where he is, that's when he becomes stronger. And it's true when you're, you're watching the film. Like there's a lot of little things that work so well together in the film because of the manner in which it came about, how much free, freedom they were given, and all kinds of things work together so well to create this story that we never would have seen otherwise. It's just never would have seen something like this. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if it's more along the lines of Warner Brothers having faith in the productions or just having faith that no matter what people do, if Batman's in it, it's gonna sell and make money. Oh, I'm sure there's some of that. But I'm also Because this this has that feeling of no oversight. Yeah. Well, and they said that too. Like I've I've watched a bunch of things and read up on it to prep for this episode. And like the the, the people at Warner Brothers told them, the the Japanese crew, like you've got full reign, like do what you want because they wanted a purely authentic Japanese anime. And so because of that, there are things that were done with the characters that you otherwise would not see kind of thing because they have such a different take, not just with different characters, with different tropes, but down to the very manner in which they write or produce these type of shows. Before we get into that, though, and because we need, we do need to give credit where credit is due here, and because there are, while there's a lot of people involved in this production, there's five important people that we're going to be referencing periodically here, at least myself. The first being the director, obviously, Junpei Mizusaki, the screenwriter, Kazuki uh, Nakashima, and the character designer, Takashi Okazaki. And then on the U.S. side, you had the screenwriters, Leo Chu and Eric Garcia. So the manner in which this worked, according to them, was that they, they were given basically like storyboarding as the Japanese crew were working on the story with sometimes like emotion, like words representing emotions so that the, they would get an idea of, of what they're trying to convey in various scenes. But the, 
the American writers quickly found out, and they had actually come across this before as well while working with Miyazaki, that a lot of anime is produced completely backwards to how films and animated films are done here, where the story doesn't even come about until much later on in the process. The, the, the storyboarding is done and even some animation is done before there's even a script written or dialogue written. And when the, I think it was Leo Chu talked about that when he was talking with Miyazaki about it and, and asking, well, how do you know when to, to animate the mouse and, and how to animate? And he said, we just animate it. And then we figure out the dialogue later on. So it's like, they make such a big deal about dubbing for films and they joked around saying Japanese films are dubbed as well <laughs> like because they don't know what's going to be in it until later on. So I think that's so ironic because that's the same writing method that Stan Lee created back when he was working with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all, a lot of the other Marvel founders. It's called Marvel Style, where the writer gives like a basic outline and hands it to the artist and doesn't worry about the actual specific plot and dialogue until he gets the pages back. Yeah. And because of that though, what happened is that the, the film is very different based on which version you watch because in typical fashion as well, when they were working on the, the English version for the Western audience, there are certain things that simply would not translate. There are cultural differences that we have to accept. And if you watch any anime, you know this already. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they kind of had to change things up. Because of that, though, knowing that, I have so much more respect for, well, everybody involved. But knowing what the, the U.S. writers, screenwriters had to contend with to do this and to come out with something this astounding is just amazing to me. So it's interesting because functionally they're the same film. Like they have the same basic plot line. There's only so much you can divert with when it's Batman traveling back to the samurai era. But the biggest differences, at least for me, watching both versions was in tone. Where the Japanese version is a much more traditional Japanese samurai story, if you will. Whereas the English version, in my opinion, is a better Batman story. I, I feel like the the different approaches to the characters is what really comes through in the different dialogue. And I, I, calling it two different movies, I feel is a slight exaggeration, but it definitely gives you two different feelings at the very least. Well, the that's something you pick up a lot when you, you hear them talking about the film as well. When they're saying how, like, the, the best quote about this is it's, uh, I, I believe it was Garcia who said it. I know he said it at least once. It might have been the mantra they worked with throughout, though. It's, it's not seeing Japan through Batman's eyes, but rather seeing Batman through the eyes of Japan. Mm-hmm. And once you hear that, and once you hear them talk a little bit more about it, and their idea of, like, they were approached by Warner Brothers with the concept of, at that time, calling it, it was called uh, Ninja Batman. And... And their thought was, well, if he's coming here, much like reality, 
he's a guest in our country. That means he has to follow our rules. And while they want to stay true to the characters and they want to make sure that it is still enjoyable for both audiences, they it is it was very important for them to to make it like an, a Japanese anime to the point where when they asked the director, how did you make sure that you were staying true to typical anime of Japan? And he says, we treated it exactly the same as we would any other anime so that it came out of that process, just like any other anime that that's done. And, and you see that when you watch it, if you, if you, if you've been, lucky enough to find some really good anime out there there are so many similarities in in everything not just art style but the pacing the manner in which it it flows between art styles based on what it's trying to convey like the respect and reverence for art that these people have is 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 not just commendable it's I, I, I admire it I, I I wish we had a lot more of that here to the point where the director is saying, had they lost a single line, it would have killed him. Like he, he just everything had to remain the way that they they did it because it, there was such reverence for that source material. Yeah, I mean, you get that right here the, when we have this character introduction. Like this isn't so much anime as it is like it feels like it's out of a video game. Like yeah. I'm getting a lot of, uh, especially with the uh, the fonts they're using and the art styles here. It it's very Street Fighter to me. And maybe that has a lot to do with the fact that Poison Ivy looks almost exactly like Poison from Street Fighter. But the, the Street Fighter 4 art style was very similar to what we're seeing here. And I, I can't see anything else when I watch this scene. Yeah, I picked it up on Blu-ray. And what I loved, and again, I, I've said it before on many podcasts, my, my wife's an artist. We have, we also buy other people's arts. We, we hang it on our walls. We really appreciate art and we watch animated films all the time and stuff like that and really again appreciate the art and this was i would have paused it so many times just to look at different things had i not been as enthralled with the story as i was in the action and the scenes because the art is unbelievable like when he first gets there and again, they use different styles. Like right now, you look at those the sky, and it's like semicircles. Like it's it's very traditional kind of um, a, a style of depicting different things, regardless if they're using pastels or watercolor or whatever. Man, I love it. I I was trying to find some information as to the actual animation techniques they were using, because especially here when we're looking at the characters with uh, the way they're shaded and the way they move and whatnot. It feels like it's at least partially computer generated. It, I don't know if you watched it. I'm pretty sure you didn't because I told you not to. But uh, a few years ago when they remade the Berserk anime, it had a very similar style as far as kind of replicating that manga feel of the, the shading and whatnot on the characters. And it had like that same like pseudo 3D look as well. Right. But animated incredibly poorly like the technology was honestly not ready for what they were doing with it i get very little of that here uh, you get you see some where like the facial animations are a little stiff at times but when like the full force of the action is going on and you have characters like joker who they can 
exaggerate the facial animations and it doesn't look weird it it fits so well with what they've done here and i'm I'm just really curious of if it's that same technique that they used on that other crappy anime right i didn't watch it so that was one where i listened to you <laughs> i i watched the first episode and i was like i the the source materials like i think we covered the manga way back on our old comic podcast and you didn't enjoy it and i knew you didn't enjoy it because it was very exploitative but the original anime is like kind of a classic 80s 90s anime so i was interested in at least seeing the modern remake of it and it was just not pleasing to watch the animations were so horrid that it, you could I, I i could tell they were experimenting with technology that it wasn't there yet but this gives me that same feel and i'm interested now like to know more as if if it is that same technology now i'm happy to see it coming to more features and series and movies going forward yes yeah, i don't know what what they used for it so i looked i couldn't find it yeah but for me it it didn't strike me as computer generated at all it what it struck me it was uh and you see this a lot in different animes as well in different all kinds of different shows where you have the 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 matte finish it kind of thing for the background Mm -hmm. and then you have the characters in more detail or or sketched differently i don't want to say computer generated but at the very least like cgi assisted okay i see what you to, mean. to give it that 3d feel because i know at some points during the action sequences I, I did read that they had actually filmed live actors yes yeah and used that as the basis so again it's just a feel i get from watching this and having seen something that looks so similar to it artistically previously scenes like that where she's running in and you're just seeing the feet in that comical mm-hmm. way coming towards you and you go like, it's so fucking anime, <laughs> but it's <laughs> so awesome. And it's such an entrance when you see her bursting through the door too. I just, I love that. This little gag with the scroll. Yes. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> what I love is that once again, because they were really taking ownership of the film and, and that meant changing up the characters certainly to be something that is um, kind of works for both Western audiences and Eastern audiences, but they had such an understanding of the source characters, the source material that even though they're doing this crazy, insane anime stuff because it's Harley and Joker, it fits it fits perfectly. You don't question, oh, they're making them act in a way that's not true to the characters. No, absolutely fucking fits. It's almost as if they had an understanding of what they wanted to do with the characters, or or in the film, I should say. You know, different things that they wanted. Like this, which they talked <laughs> about. Three guesses well. how I reacted first time I saw this. Yeah, I don't need three. <laughs> but then they and then what they did is because they understood the characters they knew okay so we're going to make these be this type of trope characters we're going to do this with these and whatnot and to me that that again speaks to a an incredible understanding of the source material and what you can do with them pushing that envelope but still staying true enough that that it can be enjoyed everywhere so tell me about the robots. I, I'm, I'm guessing you fucking adore this. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to get into too much of it just yet because, oh boy, is there spectacle coming. But 
just the very thought of like, oh my goodness, this castle has arms. Like, I already knew where they were going before they got there. <laughs> but <laughs> you you put giant robotic humanoid elements into an anime. It's it's not a very difficult road to follow from there, but it's not what I was expecting either. Like all of the trailers and whatnot. Yeah, it's this over the top, like samurai ninja sort of story, but I didn't know they were going this anime with it. And I really appreciate that they did though. The funny thing is, and they talked about this in different interviews as well, where especially the director and the screenwriter were like, they grew up watching anime that had giant robots. So of course they wanted to put giant robots in this film as well. And because it is about like, again, you and, and even I would kind of accept it. I'd be kind of one of those, oh, this is so fucking anime, but all right. Except robots in feudal Japan kind of thing is just one of those, yeah, it's a thing. But be, but anybody else would also be able to look at this. And because it's, because it's time travelers who went back with mm-hmm. technology, future tech, it also kind of makes sense. Not to that degree, of course, because it's, it's a giant fucking robot <laughs> temple, but... But it's, it's, you can comic book make sense of it kind of thing. And, and it helps a lot that the first act of the story is so focused on Joker. I feel if it had been another character, like if Gorilla Grodd was still like the main villain at this point, I don't think it would have been as effective as it is here. But because it's Joker, and I have a feeling this is a phrase I'm going to use several times during this. Joker doesn't give a fuck about your genre convention. Yes. <laughs> and he's just going to do whatever he wants to do. So it makes perfect sense that, of course, he's going to turn his castle into a giant robot. Why wouldn't he? And why wouldn't Batman have a transforming mech suit at the same time? <laughs> That's true. Very true. It, they talked about that, too, when... Um... I think it was during the Comic-Con, where they were talking about how hard it is to write Joker well. And, I mean, folks who are listening can agree to disagree with us. I don't even know where you stand on it, but, like, we're seeing that with the Joker film right now that's out that I've got no fucking use for whatsoever kind of thing. And to me, that's an example of bad writing for Joker. I I feel like he's such... an over-the-top character that so many writers try to take him too far. And there's a broad range where Joker works, but if you take him too far into the serious side, like, from what I feel like we're getting from that movie, again, I haven't seen it either. I have no real interest in seeing it. Or, like, uh, what was it? There was a comic. I I think it was written by Brian Azzarello few years back uh, it was just called joker and he was just portrayed as like a modern gangster and that didn't work and then at the same time if you take him too cartoony it doesn't work either now you can go pretty far in that direction before yeah. you hit that limit but it's still i've seen writers try to take him way too far in that direction it doesn't work that way either for me it is it boils down to pretty much one thing do not try to make us sympathize with him at all at all Mm -hmm. ever there's no excuse whatsoever for anything he's done and and which has been horrendous and 
And the thing is, is that often you get people who are like, well, I want to do my thing with the character. And like in the case of the, the Joker film. And I feel that there are certain characters that you can't do that with, that you need to still have respect for all of the source material that came before because it dictates who that character is to a degree that you won't see with just a, a, a some other characters that aren't as impactful that haven't that haven't had the impact over decades that like someone like the Joker has. So so again, I'm not gonna go on about the the Joker movie long. It was just one of those things where it really struck me, especially as I was doing the the research for this, how again the the concept of it's hard to write joker well and i feel that in this film it is exceptionally well done well i think the biggest trap that people get into with the joker is in trying to explain why he does the things that he does and when there realistically is never a logical explanation for that so you're just going to write yourself in circles yeah trying to to chase that tail or you're going to make him too human and then it just becomes kind of gross. Whereas if you just accept that, you know, clown prince persona and you know what, he's going to do whatever he wants because that's just the way he is. And yeah, you can have like still ground it in the reality of whatever setting you're doing, be it feudal Japan or, you know, modern day Gotham city, but you have to have that distance for the character to work. Okay. This scene with the, the ninja bat clan, <laughs> fucking <laughs> love this. It was, this is one of the points where I really wish this was more than a movie. What do you mean? Because those guys, like the ninja clan, like there's a couple of them that are wearing special costumes. They must have names and stories. Oh, yeah, there's backstory there that we need to know. Yeah, I agree. I Oh, what I would give for, for another, a follow-up to this. Oh, God. I, like they, they talked about how... If it did well, they would like to see this kind of take on some of the other characters, franchises from 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 DC, like other Justice League characters kind of thing. Not necessarily exactly like this, obviously, but that kind of idea of just letting them go wild with it. But I would, oh, how I would love to see another Batman-specific kind of follow-up to this. That would be great. Or even just something that's a prequel, because in terms of the story, if you haven't seen the film, the um, because of the time displacement and how, again, it's all relative to when they went Pause. in. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll talk I about love that. Robin. Yes, yes, <laughs> I, I agree. I you take literally the worst Robin in Damian Wayne and turn him into such an over-the-top stupid anime character trope complete with cartoon monkey companion and he's suddenly my favorite well it's degoro they said yeah. it too that's it's based on degoro from lone wolf and cub which because that's the hairstyle that he had which i fucking adore like that is that's such a that's that series is such a high bar and it it is very important in japan as well and it was something that i remember reading the 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 manga when I was when it came out I owned them all and then later on had to rebuy them because I I'd sold them so I bought them hell I think I was in my 30s when I bought them again and, and got to read them again it's such an astounding series so seeing this I it was like a little part of me was so happy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I loved it 
But anyways, um, going back to what I was saying, just very quickly, just because of the time displacement, Batman shows up later than everybody else. So now you have all of the villains who have set themselves up as the samurai lords and taken up, you know, chunks of Japan for themselves to, to rule. And you have Nightwing and the Robins who are there who got there again early as well and set up the Bat Clan, the Batman Ninja Clan, and you have Catwoman there as well. So there's there's some very cool stuff that happened before he got there that we could definitely get some really cool fucking scenes from if they did another movie for that. Well, even before that, you know, the, the all the Bat imagery that this Ninja Clan has been following for generations, like, that can't be an accident. <laughs> There, yeah. there has to be more time travel to go farther back to establish that. And here now we're seeing Grodd, who is the architect of this mayhem, and uh, and very well portrayed. That that's something with Grodd as well, because I mean he's a giant fucking not gorilla. a traditional Batman villain either, though. True, but it's, but I don't think there's a traditional Batman villain that would have filled that role in this story. True as well. Yeah. Well, yes and no. It just wouldn't have been as intelligent. It would have just been a fluke mm-hmm. or an accident kind of thing. Whereas with this, it's very, it's trying to make sense of what is happening. And I appreciated that because again, as you're watching it, it's such fucking mayhem points that (laughs) those little tethers here and there to reality or, or our former reality here in the West is appreciated. And I really dug it. Yeah. He gives that, that sense of gravitas that's, the story needs of like yes he's a talking gorilla but he has like obviously possessed of incredible intelligence and he has his own sense of honor that's very important to this story that again i can't think of anybody within batman's particular rogues gallery that would have worked as well as he does so i mean that's the great thing about having a shared universe you know what you want to borrow a flash villain for a movie do it it works because i don't think flash would have worked in this setting (laughs) Yep. but that that's that would be the interesting thing is uh if they do want to do more projects like this like what could you do like very few characters outside of batman would work in a traditional samurai setting but you know you could do like how many future cop animes have we seen i would love to see a green lantern version of that maybe or uh i'm sure you could do like a a shonen anime with somebody like the flash or whatever. So I, I, I give them full, full reign to just go wild, take whatever characters you want and come up with something cool with it. Because if this is the bar, I'll take this all day long. See, I kind of, I agree and I disagree with you because it is true that he, Batman of course is the perfect choice for this because he's a modern day samurai is all he is. So it fits. And especially the, the idea then of he gets stronger when he ditches his gadgets again, works thematically with a a number of tropes kind of thing. The entire thing with the, the bat family being represented by the bat clan instead works again thematically because it's something we have seen so much of. It can also work for other heroes. Like, just as an example, I mean, we could dig deep into, like, B and C list characters and come up with something that would undoubtedly be very, very cool. But just to stick even with the Justice League, it can still work, again, thematically, 
in feudal Japan or, or uh, uh, time travel going back simply because if they are if they if they play that time travel trope of you don't want to fuck with what's going on here too much because it'll affect our our current um, time frame, then they would not be speeding around doing incredible, incredible things for fear of wonky time travel kind of mechanics. So I think they could still make it work. It would be looser, not as tight as this was, certainly. But again, like you said, after seeing this, I have complete faith that they could pull it off. Mm-hmm. Again, look at that fucking sky. Yeah. God. <laughs> I forget what scene it was, but it was like part way through the movie where I like I actually noticed it, and I was like, "Oh!" And then on rewatches, like I'm, I'm like right now, I'm not even looking at what's going on like in the combat fight scenes. I'm just looking at the backgrounds because they're gorgeous. Yeah, so many of these scenes are like literally pause, take a screenshot. That's my new wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing about the the villains getting there first, like I said, is they essentially took the place of the samurai lords and tore up chunks of Japan so that they could rule them like the lords of that time. What I really liked was listening to um, Okazaki when he was talking about the look of them. Because, like, that's something that I really, really loved to, again, when they were... Again, I want to say it was Comic-Con in that interview. The reverence that they have for um, not just this I man, this but scene. for... Yeah. <laughs> is, um, is very cool because they want to stay true to what is what was real. So they, they used the actual armor of those samurai lords as inspiration, but then threw in western influences and a little bit more modern eastern influences as well and it just works like throughout the character designs are spectacular and yes they are a little over the top like nightwing's hair (laughs) but it works oh fuck that probably the best reveal of two-face i've seen in a bloody long time that was spectacular like Mm -hmm. when you see it slowly coming into frame because tr- yeah. traditionally they do the the side profile and then he turns, yeah. which I've seen that so many times now it has no effect anymore. The action sequences are nuts. This was one of the things that the it was one I believe it was one of the producers, the U.S. producers, who talked about it and said like they could not make a real life action or a representation of this film even if they wanted to. Like there's just too much going on in the show. It's and and it would cost a billion dollars just in CGI because yeah. And they talked about the mask too for for Catwoman and how that's kind of a traditional mask and they kind of played with it a little bit too to make it work with her and stuff like that. And and, and you'll see like at various points like she'll she'll kind of throw out those traditional anime cat girl mannerisms, but they're more of like Easter eggs than defining of her character, which I really appreciate. Now I have been watching some of the newer, um, the DC animation films that have been coming out. Well, I always do, but as I've told many people, like while the real life films are not for me, I, to the point of, I think 
Most of them are not good. Some of them have a lot of good in them, like Wonder Woman, but then they fuck up the ending. But there's some of them, like the Justice League, that's just fucking horrendous. But I digress. I still haven't seen it. Which one? The <laughs> Justice League. Oh, really? Oh, my God, yeah. that's bad. Um, but the animation films are often very, very good. That said, however, there's been a couple lately that have not hit the mark. And one of the ones that I was incredibly excited for, which was ironically at Comic-Con, somebody asked about this kind of thing too, was what are we going to see next of Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Which, of course, was a series that was done that we talked about on the Comic Book Informed podcast that we did for a while that I adored. I thought it was so, so unbelievably good, well-written, and the art was spectacular. So when this was announced, I was excited. I, I wasn't excited when I saw the art style because it's not even remotely close to what's in the series. And then I watched it, and it was completely different. And ever since we stopped doing Comic Book Informer, I have not read a lot of comic books. I did not realize they'd come out with another Batman versus TMNT series that was geared a lot more for kids than mm. for adults. And that's what they used for that ser- that movie, which is oh, so disappointing because, again, it was, it was so fucking good, the series, and the show was not. And then there was Hush, which came out recently as well. Did you get a chance to watch it? No. I was never really a big fan of the Hush storyline in general in the first place. It is an insanely popular one, but uh, but that's again entirely subjective. So I enjoyed the the comic book when it came out, not to the point where I wouldn't peg it the same as a lot of other people that are really nuts about it. But I enjoyed it; I thought it was good. I mean, it was fine, I, but yeah, I'm not, I'm just not buying into the, the insane hype that it tends to get. I agree, I agree. And so I watched the 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 animation though, and um, spoiler. They completely changed the ending and a massive part of it, like really changed it. Like you, as you're watching it for quite a bit of the film, it's like, oh, this is pretty much on par with the series or the, the comic book series. And, um, and I, I like that. And I, while the animation is their traditional animation, there's nothing fancy. I still like the style. So I was fine with it. And then all of a sudden shit started to be like radically different. I was like, oh, and it's, to me, it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. there's been a few lately of the animation ones that I have really not been that crazy about, surprisingly, because overall, up until that point, I I adored, I, I won't say all of them, but definitely most of them. I wonder if something changed behind the scenes or something, or maybe, you know, they can't all be winners. Maybe it's just they're in a slump. Who knows? Well, it could also be, the, the again, the people who are in charge of them now and... and running the show kind of thing. And they are using the same animation a lot of the times because it's a lot cheaper for them as well. So, so mm-hmm. that again, that's why this here really had such an impact on me watching it because it was entirely original. It was gorgeous beginning to end and made me think, which is not something a Batman story often does to 
analyze different shots, different scenes. And especially after watching a lot of the, the, the features about it and reading about it, it's really a lot more fun to then watch it and pick out different things that in the insanity of an anime presentation, you will miss. But yeah. on your third or fourth viewing, you're like, oh, that was kind of clever kind of thing. And kind of like the sky, once again, that we're looking at that, Somebody may not pick up on right away, but when you are watching it later on, Jesus Christ is beautiful. I can't be Batman anymore. Now I must be Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's still, it's, it's that traditional like scene we've seen in so many anime as well as like official movies of, you know, the, the hero character finally having to accept his place and buckle down with his training and refocus, which uh, it works perfectly here. It's just, it's a little silly with the whole taking off one mask to put on another thing, but symbolically, and then it leads into this crazy little scene, which again is very video game inspired. Like this feels like something out of a fire emblem game almost with the character portraits talking to each other. I see. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I see the, the, the game kind of comparison, but that's just because the games have stolen it from films, older films. So to me, I saw it more as something that you saw in older films. And, and again, it was, I, lo- I love the food, too, that's going by. <laughs> that is right, very this is the city yet. planning stage of the game before you go to the next yes, battle. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, as somebody who loves different art styles and whatnot, finding a way to introduce different art styles into a, a project is tricky because if you do too much, then it just feels like you don't have a cohesive style throughout. It's kind of like when, if you're designing anything, the graphic design behind only use so many fonts, only use so many colors, only use, you know, because otherwise it's just too much. This, this doesn't follow that rule. This is just, we're going to throw whatever the fuck we want at you. And you're going to love it all like, like this, because each time there's a shift in the style there's a massive shift in what is being said and the emotion that they're trying to convey like here with the red hood like this came out of fucking nowhere but then when you realize what's happening and then you realize afterwards oh this is a flashback like it's brilliantly done and allows you to have, like I was saying, yet another kind of style to really to play with. And Jesus, and do I ever love the way this looks. Yeah, it, it caught me so off guard at first, but I, I'm having a hard time, like, putting my finger on, like, where the inspiration for this style comes from. Like, it, I keep wanting to think back to, like, old MTV liquid television animation. It feels like some of the the more odd scenes from like heavy metal almost but it's so wildly original like it it's just striking it with the watercolors and the the bizarre like character models it it's something that shouldn't work but it does well i feel that it also works not just because again it's a a flashback so you can really play with what style you want in a flashback but 
the manner in which it's completely erratic fits because it's a flashback of the Joker. So the wilder, the better. And, and that's what happens. Like I, I just adore this. I also think this with the, you know, personal violence presence in this particular scene, which is, let's face it on brand for Red Hood. I, I think it would have been a little more uncomfortable in the more traditional styles that we see. Whereas in this abstract style, we're able to kind of almost distance ourselves from it a little more, which it's still like, God, this scene, <laughs> it still has impact, but I, 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 I can't grasp how this would have looked in the, the regular animation style. I, I wouldn't want to. So yeah. yeah, like again, right down to this this kind of thing. This is like going into the the eye and seeing through his lens of what he sees, even though that's not what's there. You're getting just for a brief moment a look at how he sees the world, or at least how he did at that time. Again, fucking brilliant. It's where I wish we had more information on the actual like technical behind the scenes stuff of this beyond like script writing and some inspirations here and there because there's so much creativity at play from beginning to end in this film like i would watch another film about the making of this film i agree what i love too is that and and i wish that i wish that western studios picked up on this more and allowed their filmmakers to take more chances because by and large, the formula is the same for a lot of films. And this is, this is just like uh, kill bill when they switched to anime for Oren Ishii's origin story, completely out of place with the rest of the film, but it worked very perfectly for the story they were telling in that sequence. Yeah. I, I like the idea of, when you are dealing with somebody who is or or a, a creative team that is that creative that can do something like this and it just it doesn't come off as being posers or you know just going half assed at something but no this is this is how they want to tell the story this is how they're seeing it this is what makes sense and oh i can almost guarantee this was more difficult to animate than the rest of the movie was yeah probably but Christ, is it ever well done? Mm-hmm. And, and that, it, it all becomes worth it in a minute. That the reveal at the end of the scene works so perfectly in this art style that it, it once the scene was over, I was like, that's when I was like, oh, I really get it now. That's why they chose this style because that is a hell of an image. Oh God, yeah. I was curious what they would do with that because, like, again. I'd be curious about what people there in Japan had to say about the film and how they felt following it. And, and if it was, because again, there were certain elements that were from, from the West. So, and here's a scene you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be curious to know if they felt the same in terms of, of trying to make sense of what's happening on the screen, trying to make sense of what's missing that we haven't seen and the transition and different things, you know, because 
uh, the first time I watched it, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, okay, like I have complete faith in what you're doing here, but but I don't know what it is yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're, I know you're going to explain it to me, but it's not making complete sense only because we're not used to that that way of a story being told. So, mm-hmm. but it worked uh, on in every way. But again, I'd be curious to know if if Eastern audiences are just so used to that that it just didn't matter and they were able to roll through the film at all without trying to make sense of it as they're watching it kind of thing. Right, because no matter how much of this we watch, we're always going to be viewing it through our Western lens, whereas someone who was brought up in these particular filmmaking styles, like I, it might be more Matt natural. It might have caught them just as much off guard as it did us. <laughs> the penguins yeah. killed me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, this is where, God, I wish this was more than just a 90-minute movie. Like, how much time and effort went into character designs and background for all these villains, which have maybe two three minutes of screen time each like i love this poison ivy design i would love an entire movie just about her and her villainous journey throughout this world but the same thing like penguin was crazy deathstroke looks like deathstroke but it it that's such an interesting character to put into this setting as well like yeah i i get that you know they only had so much to work with and yes they this was it it has that very there's a lot of anime films that are like that. They just throw a million things at you and like, yeah, you're not going to get a whole lot of explanation about all of it, but God damn, is it cool? Yeah. The mech things were funny um, as we were watching it because I watched it um, with my, my wife and my youngest and, and she does not watch as many anime films or shows with me. Well, she doesn't watch any anime shows with me, but um, like we'll watch Miyazaki or some some other ones, but even then, not all of them. And uh, and so even his mitts are massive. Look <laughs> in this. <laughs> but um, but it was interesting to see her reaction as well because we were chatting kind of as the show was going on, which you have to when all of a sudden there's a giant mech thing coming out. <laughs> you're going like. Oh my god! What the hell is that all about? <laughs> but yeah, in a I was, glorious way. I was home from work when I watched this, and Alicia got home uh, at the end of the day, and I was like, "You have to see this." Like, I didn't show her the whole movie, but I was like, "There's a couple scenes in here that I can't be the only one in this apartment that has seen it, <laughs> and the cat doesn't count." So I need to share this with you <laughs> because there we're. We're still cranking up that volume knob. <laughs> like this is a movie that just continues to escalate and one up itself and ratchet up the intensity. Cause God, this is so cool and stupid at the same time. I love it. <laughs> I love the when they were talking about the um again, the character designs and the armor and whatnot, and they were saying like Batman is a ninja. That's what he is. But they said he also likes to stand out. <laughs> so, so when they made his armor for this part, yeah, it stands out. He's like a freaking general on the field here kind of thing with his, his little tassels and shit kind of on his arm or whatnot. But, uh, 
but it works because it's supposed to be larger than life at this point. You've got fucking giant steampunk kind of mechs all over the goddamn place. So it really, it's not out of place for him to look a little fancy. The other thing that I like too is they were talking about the different scenes where there is actually a, a moment to breathe and there's not as much going on. And we've talked about this when we t- we've talked about different Japanese films and that that idea of not being afraid of silence, of dragging out a scene longer that you don't see in a lot of Western films or TV shows because of the modern attention span. And it was nice to hear them say how, um, like, silence is not just the absence of sound there. Like, if you have scenes that are calming or that there's no sound, there's something being said. There's something that is important. It's, again, that idea of it's not the absence of sound. I adored that concept. And then when you're you're watching it again, those scenes where there is a little bit of calm, they were saying, like, you have to have those in this kind of show because the action is so over the top batshit crazy all the time that you need those moments just to breathe a little bit in between mm-hmm. and this is also one of the first scenes where i was really taking notice of the music oh yeah where like yes it's got that like traditional anime battle music but you can pick up on little hints like in this scene i caught little bits of the old 90s batman animated series soundtrack where it wasn't like a sample or anything but similar tones that they were using in in some of the music here it's very striking to me basically everything and, and again it was listening to the director talking about it where he was saying like once they knew they had something good they made sure that they got the best people for the soundtrack that they could and they made sure that they were putting in truly authentically japanese sounds as well for everything else that's going on in the show so there you go that's another 90s batman animated like sound score there yeah and there's even a point later on where there's a little bit of 60s batman music in there and yet never to the degree where it stops you at least for me it does it never stopped me and it was like oh that doesn't fit they found a way to make it work in what they were doing Another great two-face moment here. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> of course Two-Face is going to betray you. <laughs> Wasn't him, it was a coin. <laughs> and he's in the air. There you go. I, this was, again, one of those, like, so anime, and yet so Batman at the same time. <laughs> Like that—that that was one of the things that they talked about as well with um, Leo Chu and Eric Garcia. How, yes, Warner Brothers gave the Japanese crew all the freedom that they needed to do whatever they wanted because they wanted to to be authentically Japanese. But then they were told that it was their job to make sure that it was also authentically Batman. So that's where you're getting different things, be it through the dialogue or through the various story elements. Where at no point are you saying this just doesn't fit as a Batman story. At least for me, there was never a moment where I was like, yeah, this, this should be another character or whatever to the point where I don't think it would work 
for any other character anyway. Like, they could make it work, but it would not have nearly the same impact. You get a little, uh, a couple of the scenes throughout this little final climax where the Robins don't really have a whole lot to do, so they kind of function like a Greek chorus commentating on what's going on in the movie, and I can't think of a better use for them. For Robins? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, you know, the two-faced thing goes flying by, and one of the Robins, don't ask me which one, was just like, well, that's cool. And then later on, it's like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, they're, they're kind of that, that, uh, that straight, man almost yeah. if you will that balances out the absurdity that's coming because oh yes <laughs> we're, we're almost to 11 almost they look like trading cards and I want them <laughs> <laughs> somebody needs to make a deck of playing cards with these character designs I would buy the shit out of that uh, here's the point where I'm practically bouncing up on down on the oh, couch because I, dude, we I, know what's coming. <laughs> as soon as they started blending together, I remember mm -hmm. turning to my wife and saying, this is the part where Vince is going nuts right now. <laughs> and what makes it so great is you have all this, you know, traditional imagery <laughs> that is, it's working so perfectly about your genre conventions <laughs> yep like no you have to complete it <laughs> like you you can't leave me hanging like this <laughs> And I was actually really happy to see that while most of the traditional Batman animated cast was not present for this, they still got Tara Strong to do Harley. And Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Poison Ivy has like three lines in the movie, so. Hey, 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 still. Yeah. But it, you know what? You can do a Joker without Mark Hamill. You can do a Batman without Kevin Conroy. I don't think you could do it Harley without Tara Strong. Like, it, without it being like an impersonation almost. Yeah, there was something that I watched. I can't remember what it was now, but one of the ones recently, and it wasn't her, and it was so noticeable. And you realize, mm -hmm. again, like, she is a character that's gained a lot of traction in the last few years now, thanks to Margot's um, portrayal. But, I mean, much like there's only one voice of Joker and Batman for many of us, it is the same for her absolutely it's it's she's done such an amazing job of of carving that that character out just for herself and it's like you said anybody else who tries it it feels like a character of that right but like clearly this isn't mark hamill but it's still a perfectly fine joker yeah like i i forget i don't have the voice cast in front of me right now i forget who it is but again this isn't our traditional batman Although I do appreciate if you look up the IMDb credits, the voice actor is uh, credited with two different roles as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, That's a commitment that I really enjoy. <laughs> the English one is uh, Roger Craig Smith, who's done a little Craig, bit of Batman in a, a few different things now. His, mm -hmm. his voice but, works very well for him. And he, he's perfectly fine as a Batman. That's an acceptable Batman. But like you said, when somebody other than Tara Strong is Harley, it's very jarring. Yeah. No, I agree completely. 
it's going to get a little quiet now because shit's getting real and we're getting into it. <laughs> I like the, uh, they talked about the um, the robots as well and the, the steampunk feel to it kind of thing and whatnot. And it was, it was fun seeing them talk about it because as someone who by and large wants films to make sense, like when it doesn't, you're like, what are you trying to do here? This doesn't work. It doesn't make sense kind of thing by and large. When it comes to something like this, you're like, you have to just be willing to go along for the ride. And that's exactly what he was saying. The director he was saying you buy into it because it's fun. You know, that that's it. There, there's no other reason. It's, it's not that it makes sense. It's not that you can make it make sense in any way, shape or form. It's just, yeah, this is fun. That's fine. No, like we, we get it. We're, we're all in on the joke that this can't happen, but it's happening on film and it's fucking awesome. So we're going to watch it and have fun with it. It's actually really interesting because in anime in general, like the whole giant robot genre has kind of died down in favor of like more traditional, like that, one punch man my hero academia level stuff so i have to imagine the animators like were really excited to be able to do like a proper gatai sequence with their giant robot and you see that like a lot i get a lot of classic influences here like uh the big one i get very noticeable with like the whole spinning fist thing is like straight out of gal Gygar. and like there's bits of like getter robo and even uh voltron in there with like just it's stuff that you really don't see that much in modern anime, despite, you know, our thoughts of when we think of anime, you think of giant robots. It's, it's not really there there anymore. So I, I think it's really cool to see a like really high quality animation involved with it, but also like they recognize that this isn't really a, pop culture thing anymore so they have some fun with it of like here here's how goofy it used to be back in the day like it's silly but it there's still like that love for it silly you just caught a fucking monkey <laughs> oh the, the monkey is pure pure comedy really <laughs> oh, yeah. and yet again another style mm-hmm and this is just like that uh, that scroll gag from earlier, like the little projections yeah, yeah. of the, the tactical map. Silly, but if it was, wasn't was Joker, it wouldn't work. But since it is, it's perfect. <laughs> what I love about this, too, and that's something that uh, my wife and I have talked about often when we're discussing various... Um, art styles that are employed by different anime um, studios or, or creators, whatever you want to say, because it's something that you will see often with Miyazaki, especially where you have those little moments that are so human, that are so relatable, that are, are not huge. They're, they're, they're not, they're not important to the scene or, they're not important to the the overall story, but they're important to the scene and to the characters by by grounding them. And there's a lot of that that I picked up in in this film as well, where it's not just about the spectacle and the the wild expressions and things like that, but in in those moments that are um, calmer, 
there's not a ton of them, but and even in the other moments too, you get just these brief little things here and there that that you can appreciate the 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 work that went into it from the artist's perspective kind of thing of being able to not just animate a scene for the bare minimum of getting a story across, but putting little things that will make the audience kind of smile a little bit and, you know, go, oh, that's that was clever. Like the monkey playing the notes on the flute for Robin. Uh, just simple little things that didn't need to be there, but that really help you appreciate it. <laughs> Here's, the, here's that other one, like, who's she? Yeah. Again, Robin, perfect deadpan. <laughs> because, yeah, who is she? <laughs> like, there's clearly a background story yes. here <laughs> that they're not bothering to tell us on purpose. And at this point, we're along for the ride because, uh, this. <laughs> I dare but, you to explain this to someone. The, the thing is, is that, and again, this is where I love... Not always, but the the Eastern mentality where you don't have to explain everything. You you can assume that your audience mm-hmm. are not fucking idiots and will be able to follow along. That said, you still want to be able to um, like don't jump things. It has to That's still such a make great sense. Visual. Yeah, <laughs> freaking monkeys. But uh, <laughs> but you can still don't take for granted that you're audience is a bunch of fools no they'll figure it out like this is not complicated well okay the the massive monkey maybe a little bit <laughs> the kick to the balls might have been the stomach but it sure looked like the balls oh no that was right in the nuts <laughs> no no kidding joker it's the most i've ever related to you <laughs> But this is what I was talking about earlier, where they're like, okay, they're just accepting all these anime tropes. And I feel if they, like, a Western studio had tried to take the same approach of like, oh, we're going to throw giant robots and, like, random monkeys in there, it would have come off very differently. Oh, absolutely. It would have been a parody, whereas this is a satire. And, like, they're very similar things, but the difference is very noticeable if you're looking at it. There is a very clear line, and it is very easy to cross it. And once again, that's something that they were talking about with um, the U.S. screenwriters when they were saying, like, you, you you have to be careful because start changing too many things, and it is no longer an anime, an authentic Japanese anime film. It is something in between, and it's, you know, what you do will will not necessarily make it better. And so because they allowed the insanity of, of this, it made sense because it is something that's fairly, you know, the concept, traditional in terms of just zany, crazy anime bullshit, like you said. But the best kind. Witnessing the murder of thousands of monkeys before our very yeah really <laughs> this this is like the uh, the Nova Corps <laughs> getting destroyed by Ronan. You have one job here, <laughs> and again, who are these guys? <laughs> the the two lieutenants don't even get names in this movie. <laughs> I hate that.
And I don't know what I was expecting for this, but it wasn't this. <laughs> but again, this is kind of like a traditional imagery of like, oh, the, the final combination of the giant robots where, of course, one of them can fly and comes in and like attaches itself to the bigger one. Not typically to this uh, particular <laughs> style. See, we've but... seen this kind of thing in in some some of the movies and TV shows, and in, especially in the comics, where the bats can be controlled or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in some rare circumstances in the comics, especially, you know, they take a shape or whatever. And at least for me, in every one of those circumstances. I groan. I'm sorry. It's one of the, oh, come on. You can't do that shit. Like you, you can't even try to make me believe that that's possible. Cause it's not <laughs> this completely. All right with it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it we've accepted so much exactly, up to this yeah. point. What's one more <laughs> A giant Batman made of bats. Yeah, sure. What the hell? <laughs> you know what? You give us great music and awesome visuals. And again, classic anime screaming and punching. <laughs> like, screaming yeah. Punching kills me. That <laughs> <laughs> The fade to white. Yes. Yeah. I love the director was talking too, but he was talking about the end and the, 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 the final scene, which we haven't yet gotten to, but, um, was, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, really. He was saying how a lot of us films, action films end with the, the villain and the hero in a fist fight, which he thought was an interesting cultural quirk. <laughs> like to him, <laughs> that's weird, but sword fights at the end makes perfect fucking sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> Again, would love for this to have been a little longer. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on between Nightwing and Penguin there that I would love to see as well. The one and like I... the way they pair off is like, of course, of course, Red Hood and Deathstroke are going to pair off. I can't wait to see that fight. That's not going to happen in this movie. <laughs> I'm just scrolling down here, see if I can find how well this film did financially. They don't I don't think there was it. much reference to it. No. That's too bad. Uh, 680,000 DVD sales, 2.9 million Blu-ray. Hmm. I have no idea what it costs, and I have no idea what it did overseas. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. I Again, I... I, I equate this in the same way um, as Into the Spider-Verse, in terms of what I felt watching it and that it was it was so glorious on so many fronts and so well done and that I can absolutely accept that it won't be everyone's um, cup of tea. But for those of us that like this kind of thing, we will really fucking like it a lot. Mm-hmm. That was a weird thing I noticed uh, watching the Japanese version. I don't know if it was a translation thing or if that's actually what it was, but Harley kept referring to Joker as Mr. Lord. Instead of Mr. J or something equivalent to that. I don't actually remember that, so. Yeah, it it was just a weird, like, something that stood out because it was so out of place. (laughs) 
And again, this is one of those things where we have seen this kind of trope before as well with the you reap what you sow kind of thing. And that's exactly what, what's happening here with him. But it was, again, because of how well established that flashback scene was and how engaging it was for us as an audience, again, it cannot be overstated the impact that an art style can have on you when you are watching in terms of what you take from a scene. Again, that's something that they brought up in, in the interviews as well, where they were talking about because of how vibrant anime is, because of how over-the-top and hyper-realistic in some ways it is, and just everything, that it has that much more... It, 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 it requires that much more of you. You're that much more invested. You're, you are, you know you are much more excited about what's happening on the screen. And so, again, at least for me, because of how ridiculously well done those flashback scenes were, when you're getting it blend where he's seeing some of that in the flashback style with what is happening with Joker now kind of thing, it just works so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And yet... I've seen these exact fight scenes a thousand times over the last 30 years. It never gets boring though. <laughs> like I, I've like some of the stances and like the, the, like the whole bit when Joker was like flying in upside down. Like I've seen that exact sequence. I couldn't tell you how many times. So seeing it again here evokes a certain emotion, but it never feels boring or old. Well, it's familiar instead. That's mm -hmm. the difference. So yeah, no, I agree. But that goes back to what they were saying as well of making this in the same way they would any other anime so that it does feel authentically Japanese in terms of Japanese anime. Yeah, but there, but it's also like there's no one iconic thing you can point to with a lot of like these little subtle references. It's just right. it, they're just genre conventions yes. and you're going to use them, of course, because that's just, you know, what you do. So it it's not like they're copying something. It's, it's more like this is the style that they're, they're going with and it, it works. I love that Harley and Catwoman fight. <laughs> oh God, that was well done. Once again, his name is Batman when he's in costume. Yeah. <laughs> Secret Dude, identity. Good thing there's nothing. nobody around that could overhear that. <laughs> Jesus. And this this final bit here, this this final confrontation, which of course is what it, the movie had to be building to, still so good. This is again, it's one of those you rack your brain trying to think of better. You know, try to think of mm -hmm. what other film, be it animated or not, has had this good a scene at the end. I'm hard pressed to think of one. I got to tell you, like Jesus, this was well done. And this, especially this little like uh, dialogue between the two of them, it's one of the points where I actually really prefer the English version because the Japanese version is much more traditional. Like, oh yes, you know, we're gonna you know fight and this and that essentially. But in English, like they have a little better hand, better handling of the Joker character specifically where it was like well yeah of course we're traveled back in time we're gonna have a samurai sword fight that's you know what else were you expecting and it's it's just one of those things where again this works 
in English better as a Batman story, whereas in Japanese it's better as a samurai story. Yeah, yeah. And the and angles what I really... too, like every every like mm-hmm. like following the blade along with the various strikes and whatnot. It's not following characters always. It'll follow the blade instead. Like all of these little subtle things are so much fun to watch. And, and this is something we see in the comics so often that never never feels right in the comics of Joker holding his own in a fight against Batman. But it works here due to, like, obviously being able to be animated instead of still panels of showing just how unorthodox everything Joker does is. And, like, yeah, Batman, he's, you know, the greatest combatant trained this and that. But you can't train for this. (laughs) And it, it definitely works in that it makes sense for Joker to be holding his own in this way. He's still getting his ass kicked, but he he's not, it, it's not over in a second, which I appreciate. Well, see, to me, that's the best version of Joker is always the one that can hold his own just by a hair with, with mm-hmm. Batman because he has to, otherwise he's a joke. And so it's yeah. not that he can't, that he's going to come out of it unscathed. Not at all. In fact, he is going to get the shit kicked out of him every time, but he's always coming, getting back up. And every time he gets, he comes back up, all it takes is one trick, one little something, and the tables can be turned. And so we, as people who are fans of the the characters, understand that. So in a fight like this, Whenever there are moments where he's hitting Batman as well, again, it makes sense and it's that much more engaging. It's not that we think he can hold his own per se, just that Batman hasn't been able to completely take him down. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And first of all, side point, music is incredible in this scene. Yeah. But second of all, it, it also helps that it's a sword fight. You know, you don't necessarily have to be good in a sword fight. You don't have to have the physical advantage you just need to get one lucky shot here and there, and suddenly Batman's down to your level. And I will always, always pop off for a sword catch. <laughs> so perfect. I love it. That's... <laughs> It just goes on forever, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, in a good way, but it, holy fucking hell, is that ever an incredible fight scene. Still a little unsure what happened in that point. <laughs> like, where'd that blade come from? Well, that was a broken piece that had, uh, he'd been holding in his hand that was on the uh, the roof. So when he fell, when Joker fell down, he picked it up. Again, assuming that the audience isn't, well... Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not like I'm losing sleep over. It was just like <laughs> there might have been like one shot in there that we 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 missed. We, we could have used. Yeah. Oh, 
what I love about these scenes too, again, it's it's all about how they they're framing them, and even just those very simple little things where he is he's ducking the punches are quote unquote shot from behind Batman, but at an angle where you're seeing the back of his head, so you're seeing the improvised mask that he made when he changed to adapt to where he is. And so it reinforces that idea of he's winning because he's he's accepted that and he's being that mm-hmm. person instead of trying to be who he used to be. So now my question is, these new ninja techniques as he learned, is he taking those back to Gotham? Of course he is. Because <laughs> that was going to be real easy to ghost Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I, I love Joker's voice in this scene, too. It's... It's a slightly different tone than he's used previously, but God, it's good. <laughs> Before going back to like real Joker, where it's it's almost like it's his private Batman voice. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just a different tone that he uses for those couple lines that is kind of chilling. And the visuals here, Jesus. <laughs> Yep, there we go. Timeline preserved. <laughs> yeah, really. There was no collateral damage here. <laughs> Definitely not going to write about this one in the history books. Well, actually, I think they kind of teleported most of this stuff uh, back to Gotham, so they kind of hand wave it away. The only people there to witness it were the Batman clan, and they will keep their secrets to their graves. Yeah, and the monkeys. The monkeys helped them out, too, yeah. <laughs> Again, such a silly, stupid anime thing. And it makes me love this version of Damien. <laughs> this is the only version of Damien I love. <laughs> I, every time I see Red Hood, I, God, I love that design. Again, the yes. helmet based on a monk design, so it's very authentic to that period kind of thing. But it, it just happens to also work beautifully with this character. So since this is the last time we see them, the stupid Bat Clan lieutenants, I almost think they're supposed to be analogs for Gordon and Bullock. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm making up my own headcanon about these guys because <laughs> someone has to. Somebody needs to write some fanfic. <laughs> Yeah, a thousand years from now, scientists trying to explain this weird spherical crater right outside Mount Fuji. And there you have it. And I love what they did with the closing credits here. Oh, God, yeah. Because, of course, let's just throw some manga pages in there because we can. But it once again, throw in a different art style, but whatever. But it fits because they're using it for this and and so yeah i and it tells a story at the same time like it's, it's an yeah. epilogue did you ever read the uh when batman goes back in time in the comics uh doesn't ring a bell i mean i know it's happened but i can't pin any particular story yeah there was one where he went back to uh like western times 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It, can't remember what they it did was a called. whole like weird time travel thing after you got killed yeah. by Doomsday. Exactly. There was like a caveman Batman and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So it, I I was thinking about that the first time I I, I watched this because it was one of those like yeah, yeah, I wasn't that crazy about it and it didn't it didn't work because they always want to try to have those bat those iconic Batman references and different things there as well, but it felt so forced. Whereas with this, because of the way in which the story is told, a, a freaking Batmobile made out of horses and a buggy makes sense. You know, like mm. they, they, they make it. I have something to say about that in a minute. Oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> when we get there. <laughs> well, with makes sense within reason. How's that? <laughs> like to me, in terms of the story of what we're willing to accept, uh, yes. it works for me. And again, now that we're back to modern time, we're back to a more traditional, like, modern anime art style. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, here we are. Batman, the master of deception, in his civilian guise of Bruce Wayne, arriving to a party for the mayor in his buggy covered in bat symbols. Okay. Like, I, I, yeah. Okay. All right. If you, I mean, like, you're not even trying, Bruce. <laughs> or is this one of those like meta things? I'm like, of course, everybody knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. They just don't talk about it. It's true. <laughs> let's be honest. And that is it. So, as you could obviously tell from our our conversation here, we adored the show. So. If you have listened in and you thought that it might sound like fun to watch it, I we have not spoiled it, I assure you. You need to actually <laughs> see this film to appreciate I would actually really like to know if somebody's just listening to the audio version of this without seeing it and what they're thinking when we get to giant transforming robots and monkeys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, pick it up. Honestly, we need more people supporting this kind of thing so that we get more of it. So if you're even mildly interested pick up this show either rent it or or buy it digitally or, or i picked up the uh the the blu-ray the blu-ray has a couple of nice features on it that are that i thought were really really cool that give you a, a a different insight into it and because of the type of not just the type of story it is but just everything about it the, the entire from concept to the manner in which it, it progressed seeing those really helps you appreciate the film that much more than when you were watching it. Because again, it was the, the fact that they were able to create something this spectacular using the means that they did to the point of, again, the, the Western screenwriters just getting like freaking <laughs> sketches with a couple of words and trying to make sense of that and how that's going to fit into a story. And they did. And because, yeah, they, they'd done some other work with other anime uh, shows before, so they kind of had an idea of what to expect. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things where once you see the challenges that they had, put it that way, man, you really appreciate how, how spectacular it came out. And then as just a little uh, bit of advice uh, for those looking to pick it up digitally, if you want to rent it, I would recommend the Amazon version. 
because it comes with both the English and Japanese dialogues. It's actually two separate movies. It's one big three-hour-long video, which <laughs> the first half of it is the English movie, the second half of it is the Japanese movie. Whereas uh, on Google, you can only get the Japanese version if you purchase it. You cannot rent it. Uh, well, they're both on the Blu-ray as well, if you want to get that. Well, yes, I, but so, we live in a digital age. Yeah, Let's... yeah, no, no, I agree, I agree. I, although I will say, I fucking, no, for me. Worth it. It's absolutely worth it for Blu-rays, for movies that I'm, like, crazy about. Because I know I'll watch them again. So anyways. You can usually find these pretty cheap at, like, Best Buy or somewhere, too. Yeah. Parting thoughts? It. I think we said it all. It's pretty awesome. Now the Japanese version is starting, so I might just sit here for another hour and a half and watch it again. <laughs> all right. So that is going to wrap it up. You can find the show notes course at Popcorn Roan and let us know what you thought of it if you saw it or what you thought of the commentary if you like it. Again, we enjoy doing these, so we'd be, we'd be on board for doing more of them. Anyway, so that will wrap it up. We will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>